Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Well, welcome to Renaissance. It's so great to see all of you. Some new faces, some familiar faces. I call this family. It's one of my favorite services of all week. The six o'clock is amazing. You guys are great. Just so you know, you're almost as crowded as the 1045 lately. So, you know, they're not doing as well as you guys. So congratulations for inviting friends and dragging people off the street with you to come in and fill the seats. That's so awesome. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here at the church, and one of the things that we just love to do every week is study or read through portions of Scripture in our Bible. So if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, you'll look underneath the seat close to you, maybe in front of you or next to you, and you'll find a hardback black Bible, and you can use that Bible and you can turn to page 975 in that Bible, and that will take you to Galatians chapter 5. We'll spend the bulk of our time in 10 verses, between verses 16 and 25, Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 25. Um, before we get there, I just, let me just ask a question. How, how many people were here last week and heard Pastor Joe talking about the Holy Spirit? Anyone? So clap like he's in the room. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe did a great, great job last week. If you, if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, um, that service, uh, get the podcast. He tells this incredibly um, telling story about his own life, and it is the most funniest thing I've heard in a long time in church. So anyways, but what he did last week, he helped us understand something about the Holy Spirit. He, he informed us of this one thing that we, that we must like grow everything from or extend our knowledge from this one working point is that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It is not a thing. It's not some force, but it is a person. And the Holy Spirit is every bit of God. That we see God in three parts. It's a trilogy, a trilogy, a trini trinity, if you will. And it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and Joe helped us see that the Holy Spirit is every bit as powerful and has the same abilities that the Father does and that Jesus does as well in our lives. And he points to this reality that when Jesus, after having been crucified on a cross, buried in a grave, and been raised from the dead, right? We celebrate that every Easter. For the next 40 days or so, he walked with his disciples, his best friends, his closest friends, if you will. And he's talking to them that, that the reality is, is coming. There's coming a day when I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to go back to where the Father is in heaven. And then he says these words, and it's actually a good thing that I leave you. 
Now, if you're one of Jesus' closest friends at this point, you're like, it's, it cannot be good that you would leave us. We've been with you for three years, three and a half years. You've been performing these incredible miracles with us in front of us. We've been healing blind eyes and opening deaf ears and helping people and, and all of these great things. Why would you say that's beneficial to us if you leave us? Well, Jesus adds this parenthetical thought. It's this idea that, that I'm going to send to you once I leave. I'm going to ask the Father to send to you another helper. This other helper we know to be the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, is among us and with us. And it is this Holy Spirit that gives greater help to us than Jesus. If Jesus were still in a, a physical body, Jesus could be with you or you. He couldn't be with both of you unless you were in the same place. And so the Holy Spirit comes to us and allows us to have the presence of God with us at all times. Yes? I have some really good friends that are pastors of churches, and I, I call them friends, and um, we talk occasionally. And I have to tell you this, that if, if Jesus didn't go away and give us the Holy Spirit, I would be knocking them down every Sunday and dragging Jesus here because I want Jesus to be with us, right? I mean, don't hear this the wrong way, but they can get their own Jesus. We got the real Jesus <laughs> here, but see, this is why Jesus says, no, it's good that I go away because I don't need to be in one place at one time. I can send my spirit to be with all people. So when we gather on Sundays to worship Jesus and to talk about him, there are other churches across this city doing the exact same thing. And they're worshiping the same God. They have the same spirit of God in them and helping them, guiding them and directing them. And so all of this stuff is really important. And Joe helped us see that we get this Holy Spirit through a single act that God performs for us. How, how do we get the spirit of God inside of us? Now, what I'm about to share in the next few minutes is completely elementary. It is beginner Christianity. This is 101 stuff. This is maybe 98 stuff. This is like, like the stuff before you go to college stuff, right? This is the beginning of Christian faith. And, and Jesus uses the word. So you guys stay in Galatians 5. I'm going to turn to John chapter 3 and just read a couple passages. Jesus speaking. But Jesus uses these words. For us to get the Holy Spirit, he says, we must be born again. We must be born again. That's how you and I receive the Holy Spirit. So let me read the words of Jesus out of John chapter 3 for you. And we'll put the words on the screen for you as well. Jesus is speaking to a religious leader, a learned person, and this person comes to him and asks questions about the kingdom of God and stuff. And he says, Rabbi, teacher, I can see that God is with you. You know, you're performing miracles or something really great. And, and Jesus just kind of shushes him and begins to tell him the most important thing that you and I could ever hear. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, that he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is actually stating for the record that there is this thing called the kingdom of God. It's an actual real thing. And he desires us to be into it. But there is something that would keep us out of it. It is this reality that if we are not born again, then we cannot enter into this kingdom of God. And I also want to add this idea too, that the kingdom of God is not some ethereal, faraway, heavenly, filled with clouds and harps types place, but the kingdom of God has been ushered here on this earth and God is inviting us into it through this experience. <sighs> yeah, it's good. It's real good. Jesus would be a liar when he talks about this abundant life that he's made available to us, if we have to wait to die to get it. it doesn't make any sense. You can enter into the kingdom of God if you are born again. 
He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He's talking about this idea that, that you and I, in our natural birth, we have the proclivity to sin. We have nothing good inside of us. We come into this world sinners because of the sin of our forefathers, Adam and Eve. And because of this sin, we are separated from God. And there is no way to enter into the things of God unless something changes. Jesus makes available this change for us by the Spirit. He says, you can be born of the Spirit. He says, do not marvel, do not be amazed when I say this to you, that you must be born again. We must be born again. So in this moment, when we, by grace, through faith, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came and bore our penalties and punishment for our sins on that cross, that God allowed him to die and yet raised him from the dead. When we believe that we too, by faith, can be raised from the, the deadness of our natural lives and be born again by the Spirit. When we believe those types of things, we, we get the Holy Spirit. He indwells us in that moment. We have him. Then the question is, so now what? All too often, I think churches fall really short of just preaching the gospel message of salvation and stopping right here. You don't want to go to hell, do you? Well, get saved, blah, 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 blah. And then you do. And then you're like, but now what? Like hell's a long way away. Heaven's a long way. I still got 60 years to live. Now what do I do? Now, Paul picks up on this, this sort of tension because God has saved us into something. I alluded to it earlier when Jesus talks about an abundant life. Paul picks up on this language back in Galatians chapter 5. So flip back there. And I'm going to pick up um, on verse 25. I'll pick up the last verse of our passage today. And Paul says these words, almost mirroring what Jesus had said. He says that we live by the Spirit. Verse 25. He says, if we live by the Spirit, if our newness of life has been given to us by the Spirit. In the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, it says these words, that there was darkness over the deep after God created everything, and God spoke something. And he said these words. He said, let there be light. And he spoke into the darkness, and light came. I want you to hear this. The darkness did not ask for light. <laughs> The darkness didn't try to muster up some light, didn't try to purchase some light, didn't try to be good enough to get some light. He just received light when God spoke into the darkness. And the same is sort of true in our lives. That there's, in fact, nothing that we can do to earn God's presence. There's nothing that we can do to earn the salvation experience. There's nothing that we can do. We're not good enough, smart enough, rich enough. We don't do enough to earn what God would give us freely. And Paul makes mention of this. If we begin our lives by the Spirit, if it is in fact the Spirit who starts this new life, then we must keep in step with the Spirit or walk with the Spirit all the rest of our days. So we have the Spirit inside of us for a purpose. Oh my goodness, for an incredible purpose to lead us and to guide us and direct us. Um, I'm married 22 years, 22 years this November. My wife's awesome. I married up, let's be honest, <laughs> right? <laughs> no question. Uh, and I learned this not long ago, which sounds strange because I've been married for 22 years. I just learned this the last couple of years. Um, every once in a while, my, my wife will ask me if I want to go for a walk with her. And we live right by a kind of a bike trail and we take the walk. And, and I learned when she says, I want to go 
um, on a walk with you, she actually wants me to stay with her. I didn't know that at first. We Sometimes we would go out together, and she walks a little bit slower than me, and I would take off just to catch up with her back at home about 20 minutes later. And she's upset because I'm sitting there drinking a Coke, watching television. <laughs> what she's saying, Jeff, when I ask to go for a walk with you, I want you to stay with me. And the way to do that is I match her cadence. I slow down just enough because her short little legs, right? <laughs> I got to stay with her. And that's the picture Paul's painting for us here. That the newness of our life has been birthed in us by the Spirit. And now for the rest of our days, we stay in step with Him. We walk with Him. When He slows, we slow. When He speeds up, run. You go with Him. And that's what our life looks like. But the question from how do we get the Spirit? We're born again. Now we walk with the Spirit. That's the picture of our lives. What does it look like practically for us to walk by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit? I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people. And I'm like, don't just give me some ethereal concept. Tell me what to do. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I need an A and a B and a C. I need steps. And if you're like me, I think God has some of those for us in the rest of this passage. So I want to pray for us. I always pause here. And, and I want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand this. Would that be okay with you guys? So let, let's pray together. God, I thank you for everything that you have done for us. Having already mentioned the work that Jesus Christ has, um, has done for us, it's, it's truly changed our lives for the better. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for returning back to heaven. Yes, we miss you. There's no question, but you have sent us another helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with us. And because of that, that Holy Spirit is in this room with us right now, and he's helping us. He's encouraging us. He's teaching us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would come. I do pray that you would open our eyes to give us vision to see, that we have ears to hear your words. God, I pray that our hearts be made soft to accept the reality of this, that we, we would be fertile ground for the truth of your word to implant inside of us and to produce something in us that you want. God, I boldly pray. I have not prayed this at any other service today. But God, I, I, I pray that you confront us by the, the waywardness of our hearts, the lackluster zeal that oftentimes we, we have to muster up some sort of false passion for you because it's just not inside of us. God, there's a real tension in our lives. And, and I ask, God, that you would expose that for us today so that we could be free from that and we could move into real passion, real zeal, and the newness of life that you've made available. God, I thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If we live by the Spirit, then let us keep step with the Spirit. Paul picks up some language similar to that right here in verse 16 at the top of this little section. This, it's sort of like a bookended thought for Paul as he's speaking to the churches in Galatia. And he says these words, walk in the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So we're looking for practical helps here. What can we do to walk in the Spirit? Well, he's given us a definition almost in the negative that walking in the Spirit does not gratify the desires of the flesh. Just by way of reminder that the flesh for us just points to this human nature. It's this natural identity that we have that's sort of anti-God. 
just so you know, we, we do not, again, by our natural birth, have a desire to serve God. We do not possess it. It cannot be in us. It is not found in us. If there was any desire naturally inside of us to follow after God, then Jesus would not have had to come to earth. Do you understand that? Total depravity, we would talk about. There's, we're wicked. It sounds crazy. So um, true story, there's been a lot of babies born in our church here recently. We have an, a nursery next door. In the mornings, we have like 150 to 200 kids next door. I don't know if you know that. But there's, there's a nursery over there that's literally exploding with babies. Uh, be careful. Don't drink the water here if you don't want to have <laughs> another child. I'm just saying, right? And it's so crazy to see these parents walk around with the most gorgeous babies you've ever seen and, and, and have to remind them that deep inside that beautiful little child is the darkest, most wicked heart you've ever seen. And if you allow these little children to grow to be toddlers and teenagers, somebody pray for me, teenagers. <laughs> and if the Spirit of God does not intervene, the trajectory of their lives is incredibly wicked. It's by nature in us. We do not teach our children to sin, right? Parents, please say yes. <laughs> we do not teach our children to sin. They already know how to do it. And this human nature is anti-God. And it gets its satisfaction, prefers to find its satisfaction from power and prestige and position that we desire. Our, our desire is not to serve God, but God comes in and changes that by giving us the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit and staying in step with the, step with the Spirit is opposite of this. It does not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, it says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. I used to think sometimes that we have this opportunity to get on one of two roads. And, and when I picture these roads, they sort of disappear into the distance on the horizon. And like, here's the road where God is. And we get to, you know, enter into the kingdom of God on this road. And the other road is sort of anti-God. And we go a completely different direction. But they, they seemingly both go that way. What I'm learning when I read the, the words of Paul, I don't think there are two roads anymore. I think there's, in fact, one road. And you are going to where God is or the opposite direction. Do you see this? There's a road for our lives and we follow after God or we walk against him. There is no other way about it. In fact, maybe the roads is a wrong metaphor. Maybe it's more of a, a tug of war. You guys remember that? We have the rope and you usually put the girls on this side, the boys on this side, just so we can win. Every once in a while, it's nice to win sometimes. And we tie that little flag in the middle and we, we pull and we pull and we pull. There's opposite tension between what God wants for our lives and what we want for our lives. And the desires of the flesh pull hard against the spirit and what he wants to do. But what the spirit begins to do... <laughs> is he, he allows um, our, our spirit desire to grow stronger and stronger and stronger so that eventually we overcome the nature of our flesh, the spirit of our flesh. See, the spirit of God produces this work inside of us. It's something that he does. In fact, if we turn back into the Old Testament, and I want to I quote an Old Testament prophet, Ezekiel, but Ezekiel was a prophet of God, which just means he was a voice peace for God. He spoke the words of God to God's people. And Ezekiel speaks these words, 
sort of alluding to this day when God would do something that would give us a new desire for our lives. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 says this. Again, God speaking. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I will put it within you. I'm going to remove this heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He's pointing to this reality that one day Jesus will come and through Jesus, the spirit will be loosed and the spirit will come in and do heart surgery on us. Because inside of us is a stony, a hard heart that cannot beat for the things of God. No matter how hard we try, it just cannot pulse with the heartbeat of God. And he says, I'll take out that stony heart and replace it with one that does understand me, that does beat with my will, that does push you towards the things of God. And this will revive your life. I was reminded in my studies this week that Pharaoh, the wicked king of Egypt that kept God's people in bondage all those years, when God revealed himself to him, when he sent Moses, the stutterer, before him and says, let my people go, and, and Pharaoh said no, right? What does it say next? And God hardened his heart. The heart change is the necessary component for our new life. And God said he would do it, again, by no work of our own. And, and he says these words, keep reading. Um, I'll give you a new heart, a flesh, verse 27. And I'm going to put my spirit within you. I will do it. I will put my spirit within you. And I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I will cause you to walk. I have two teenage daughters, which is why I said pray for me earlier. We had homecoming last night. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dresses, shoes, hair, nails. I think the boys bought khakis and a tie. That's all they had. <laughs> like, I'm serious. I'm like, I'm a little upset. I'm like, you at least put on a jacket, son. I mean, there's $300 standing right here. <laughs> Anyways, um, when, my, when my girls were little, I remember when they first learned to walk, which is so funny for parents because... Um, you take the video, you post it on Facebook, like we care. You know what I mean? It's like, just, <laughs> we don't, I'm just saying. <laughs> and the truth is ch your child's not even walking really. At least it wasn't for my kids. They just learned to stand up and we're like, uh Oh, here it goes. And I remember coming up behind them, grabbing their hands and they'd hold onto my finger. And I, I remember just pulling them forward. Right. And then they would take a step and we go, oh, she's walking but she's not. She's falling. I'm actually causing her to fall. <laughs> That's what this is. I'm pushing her down. And, and something inside of her just puts a foot out and she catches herself. And then I do it again. And then her next foot, do you know, walking is just controlled falling. That's what this is. And, and God says, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you and I will cause you to walk. I want you to get a picture of what God is doing with his spirit inside of us, that he will oftentimes lead us into something. And everything within us is trying to stay in this position. But, but forward will, momentum eventually takes over and we take a step and we catch ourselves. And it's wonderful. It's glorious. It's beautiful. And he, you can picture him smile and shout. He's probably videotaping it, putting it on Facebook too. I have no idea. But that's the picture of what God is doing for us as he's causing us to walk in the spirit. He just pulls us along and pulls us along and pulls us along. And over time, we'll look back and we'll see how far we've walked. And it will surprise us how far God has taken us. 
The, the difficult thing for you and I in our lives, and I'm, I'm 48-ish now, I'll be 49, and um, been a Christian just 22 years. I mean, I look back on my life, and I think, man, I've come a long way. And, and looking back, I actually have. I have I've had incredible um, victory in a lot of things in my life. But if you, if you focus just on the today, the here and now, oftentimes we can't even feel the movement of what God is doing. It's only when we separate ourselves and look at it from a different vantage point do we actually see the progress that we've made. And I'm only saying that to encourage some of you because you feel like you're not making progress. But God would be a liar if that were true. Can I ask you a question? Is God a liar? No. Ugh. As if we needed to have it written down, the Bible even tells us that God is not like a man that he would lie. He is not a liar. If the prophet Ezekiel, speaking for God, pointing to reality in Jesus, says, I will put my spirit inside of you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will obey. I mean, if you think about that, if he says that, then it's happening in our lives. There's no question. We just sometimes don't think it's happening fast enough. Paul picks up this sort of language knowing that God causes us to walk in his statute. He gives us this new spirit. Again, not on our work, all by his work. And he says in verse 18, and if you are led by the spirit, again, the same picture that we just talked about from Ezekiel, the Holy Spirit, here, look at me. The Holy Spirit leads us. We don't lead the Holy Spirit. Hear me? He leads us. If we are led by the spirit, right? We, we don't lead him. We don't go where he's not and ask him to come, okay? He tells us where to go. He leads us to go. I'm telling you, you can do it the other way, and I've probably been guilty of doing that in my own life. Anyone else want to admit that publicly? Mm -hmm. A couple of honest people in the room. That's okay. Sometimes we do that. We, we go to a place where God's not and then implore him to join us. We'd been better off just staying where we were and waiting for him to lead us to the next thing. Eh, side note. Anyways, but we are led by the Spirit of God, not the other way around. And it says, and if you, but if you are led by the Spirit, then you are no longer under the law. This has two really big implications for us. I'll, I'll blow through one really fast. Um, because of the work that Christ has done for us, we no longer are seen as unrighteous people. There's this, this theological idea that God, through his son Jesus, has imputed his righteousness to us. So when God looks at us, us, he no longer sees sinful people, but he sees the cleansing blood of Jesus over us. And so he sees us, this is so great, as if we've never sinned. And so the conditional moments of the law, we are no longer bound by because Jesus Christ fulfilled all of the law in his life, imputed righteousness to to us. And so hallelujah, we are not under the law, which is wonderful. But the second part I think is most important for us. For me, it was. He says, when you are being led by the spirit and when God continues to grow inside of you, desires that are for him, not against him, eventually over time, you'll begin to obey the law. You'll begin to obey the commands and it no longer feels like a burden or a chore to you. It just becomes a natural extension of who you are. So when God writes in the Bible, we have these words of God. He's asking us to do these things. I say asking. He's commanding us to do these things. And we sometimes push back like, 
children. I don't want to. I want to do it my way. I like it my way. I prefer my way. Over time with the spirit of God inside of us, changing our desires, we begin to follow him and the law no longer feels heavy anymore. Well, that helped me. I got to be honest. It helped me. I have a friend of mine. She's a pastor out West. And I remember her publicly standing before a, (laughs) I want to be careful what I say, but she stood in front of a room of pastors at a convention that I was at not long ago. And she began to confess some of her sins to these people, pastors. And just like you, they lean in and go, ooh, tell us more. Because we just love to hear about other people's sins. I don't know what it is. It's kind of crazy that way. Um, And one of the sins was pretty remarkable. Gosh, I'm really trying to be cryptic here, and it's probably not going to be a helpful um, story for you. At the end of her talk, you'd be surprised how many of the pastors came up and asked, well, has God fixed that sin? Not fixed it. You know what I mean? Has God dealt with that sin in your life? Has he changed your view on that particular sin in your life? Has he done this and that? And I remember hearing, overhearing her say these words. <laughs> it's so helpful. Oh my goodness. It's so good. He, he, she said these words. She's like, um, I listen to God when he talks to me about sin in my life, and I just work on the sins in the order that he presents them to me. That one particular sin, right, that I know is there, God just has not caused me to work on that. He, she says, I still have fits of rage and anger and other things in my life, and, and I will get to those things. Now, I'm saying all of that to say this. Someone, some of you get here, uh, here <laughs> some of us here, we could get so frustrated because there are so many commands of God. There is a righteous life that God would have us to live. And it seems so difficult. And the question is, where do we start? And I would say, start with the thing he's talking to you about today. Just do that one. Oh, you have plenty more days to work on the rest. Won't you? (laughs) Out of the mouths of babes, right? (laughs) It's so true. Verse 19 through 21, Paul then begins to give us a laundry list of what the works of the flesh looks like. If we are no longer being led by the Spirit, but rather choose to walk according to our own ways, this is what our life could look like. I'll read some of them. Don't raise your hand if you resonate with some of these, right? But the works of the flesh are evident in our lives. We see sexual immorality. We see impurity, sensuality. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Again, if you have not heard the podcast from last week with Pastor Joe, like I'm not trying to shame him right here because he publicly confessed this is a struggle for him, but it is the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. (laughs) I'm not kidding. You must listen to that podcast. It is so good. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. Oh my goodness. Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all of these things. You want to know if you're following after God, if the Spirit of God is in fact leading you into righteousness? If you want to know, he's saying you'll know if you're not doing it, if you see these things in your life. Because this is just pointing to the reality that you're serving your own desires and your own flesh. My wife and I were having a very candid conversation this morning. Um, 
it always happens right about the time I'm about to walk onto stage. She's like, you got a second? I'm like, actually, I don't. <laughs> but I am married to you, and I know better. So I'll, I'll, yes, I love you. What do you want to say? And I was just talking about some stuff. And, and I, I said these words. I said, um, say, her, her name is Stacy. And I said, Stacy, I know it's really hard. Like the things that we're sort of navigating right now, we have a lot of stuff going on. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, but I said in my studies this week, when I was studying the Spirit of God, I'm learning that when I have fits of anger, or if I find myself frustrated, when I find myself feeling dissentious with other people who I would call brothers and sisters in Christ, when I see those things, I said, I do not blame God for them. They're, they're my fault. It's because I'm desiring something that God hasn't led me into. It could be selfishness. It could be pride. It could be my own desires and plans. It could be my big idea. Like I'm going to leave my mark in this world and I'm going to go this way to do it. And, and yet I'm finding myself sort of walking away from where God would lead me sometimes. My wife would admit that she's had some moments of frustration as of lately. And I just try to lovingly tell her, by example, that when I have those in my life, it's because I've walked away from him. I'm choosing my own self-interest over his interest. And then I said, I got to go. And um, I think she's okay with that. When I got home, there was chili. So, <laughs> and, and chili is my love language, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's a real thing. I love chili. Uh, and I took a nap. It was so great. <laughs> so there's these things in our life that are the byproduct of natural things. And then there's these other things in our life that are the byproduct of the Spirit. And he gives this in verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is something else. Now, let me just real quickly contrast what Paul is saying before I read the fruit of the Spirit. That there are works of the flesh and fruit of the Spirit. Works of the flesh, but fruit of the Spirit. Paul is making sure we understand, because he does, we understand this point, because he doesn't use this language. He doesn't say works of the flesh and works of the Spirit, because then it almost sounds like it's something that we do. Like we work with the Spirit, and we work with the Spirit, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden we're getting things from that. I need you to understand that. We do not work with the Spirit. We do not walk with the Spirit or stay in step with the Spirit to get the Holy Spirit in our lives. You understand that? Listen, we do not, wa we do not walk with the Spirit to gain the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are walking in the Spirit because we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's no works of the Spirit. It is, in fact, called fruit of the Spirit. And I love that it's not even plural. It's fruit. There is a fruit that God gives to us, and it looks like this. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, etc. The idea here is it begins with love. I think that's important. That he, op that he opens with the fruit of the Spirit is, in fact, love. And I think the rest of these are just characteristics of that loving behavior. Patience is a characteristic of a person who loves someone else. Gentleness is a characteristic, characteristic of someone who loves other people. This idea is picked up a little bit. If I could ask you just to turn a couple verses in front of Galatians 5.16 and look at Galatians 5.13. And I'm almost finished. We'll get out of here soon. 
And, and Paul, again, writing to Christians, he says, listen, if you've been called to freedom, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You know, we have, we have the freedom and the liberty to choose our way or God's way. And God, if we make a mistake, is faithful and just to forgive us. We know that. If we screw up, say amen. If we screw up, God forgives us. I mean, Jesus Christ died 2,000 years ago for us before we ever sinned. And if he covered sins yesterday, he'll cover sins tomorrow. But Paul would say, but don't use that liberty to go and, uh, you know, chase after the desires of your flesh. Use it to love one another. Use it through love to serve one another. Verse 14, for the entirety of the law, the whole of the law is fulfilled in this single word. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to love others as ourselves, And the fruit of the spirit is love characterized with gentleness, self-control, patience, etc. That is, it, it almost looks, I, I'm not the smartest guy here, I understand that, but it appears to me that what God is saying, is, or Paul is saying, if we're walking by the Spirit, if we're being led by the Spirit, then we would be loving others. In fact, some might argue that loving others is what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. The danger is this. If we were just given a mandate to love others with no spiritual component or backbone to it, then we would turn it into a work of the flesh. We would just love others to make ourselves look better than that guy. I mean, they're okay. You're all right. I'm so much better than you. You have no idea how much I love people better than you. Like on, we would just, we would have competitions, et cetera, et cetera. It would become something we desire to do to puff ourselves up. But if the spirit of God is what's motivating us to love others, that's a different thing altogether. I'll be very frank with you. I don't think the church struggles in teaching people what it looks like to love others. I think we do a very good job of teaching people um, morals, you know, we have our kids' church. We teach them how to be honest, right? To tell the truth, to love Jesus, and, and do all of that. So we have, I don't think the church struggles with teaching people what it looks like to, to do that. I think what the church struggles with is teaching people how to do that. See, if we never put in the component of Jesus Christ through the Spirit changing us, it just becomes moralistic, therapeutic deism. If anyone knows what that is, Google it. There's homework for you. It's just, it's just morality that has some sort of idea of a deity behind it, but it is not driven by or compelled by the Spirit of God in us. Paul takes this type of language and uses it when he writes to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you guys know that passage, right? You hear it at every wedding. Talks about love. But Paul says these words, and I'll close with this, and the band is um, coming back. Paul says this, If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, he says, listen, if I'm the greatest philanthropist the world has ever seen, if I give more money away than anyone else, if I take my actual body and if I offer it as a sacrifice unto God, I will burn this thing out for God and the kingdom. If I do those two things, and he says, and if I do not have love, then I gain nothing. The implication is this, that if I do those things and they're not motivated by the Spirit of God, hear me, God will not accept it. 
Our works, if you need reminded, are disgusting to him. (laughs) They're disgusting to him. All of the works that we do in our natural way are like filthy rags, right? I don't, well, anyways. They don't appeal to him. What he longs for is a heart that's been changed. And he longs to see his people walk in the statutes of his spirit and to be guided by those things. And then the exhaust or the byproduct of our lives is loving our neighbor as ourselves. We are doing exactly what God has intended for us to do. And I will tell you this, that thought alone will change the world. It carries with it eternal consequences for others. To be motivated by the Spirit of God to help others is so different than being motivated just in charity. And I think we should be charitable. I believe that. But if it's just charity for charity's sake, if you just feed someone for today, if you just give them a warm blanket for today and it's not motivated out of the Spirit of Christ, it has no eternal consequence for them. I don't want to be like that. I've had a, um, for all the, the years, having not grown up in the church, I really have a distaste for church people. And I mean that. I don't mean to. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I think they're great people. I don't know. But they just always seem so judgy of me and so judgy of my friends. I just, I just had a bad taste in my mouth from church people. And then I became one. Ah. Uh, Jesus. Thanks for that. (laughs) But I think I found what the thing I don't like about them is that they aren't, they weren't so motivated by the spirit of God to love others. They were just motivated to this legalistic sort of lifestyle that I don't want to talk bad about the church. It is Jesus bride, right? I don't want to speak bad, but I just, I've learned that I don't want to be that person. So all I'm saying is, is I've always desired to be as upfront and open as possible to people. So some detriment of my own. People oftentimes say, Jeff, you way overshare, man, way overshare. We don't need to know all that in your life. And I'm like, but you don't understand. I'm figuring this out. I'm figuring it out. Um, Pastor Joe and I had a conversation late last night. I came into work for a few hours and uh, he stopped by. I don't know why, but... um, I kind of puked on him a little bit. You ever have a bad day and you're just like, I need a friend to... Boof. Joe's that guy for me. and <laughs> I'm, I puke on him. And uh, he comes into my office first thing this morning and he says these words. He's like, Jeff, I've been thinking about Nehemiah. You guys know the story of Nehemiah? I'm trying to be done, but I can't be done until I say this story. But you know the story of Nehemiah? And Nehemiah was a cupbearer to a king. And God used him to go rebuild the walls in Jerusalem so that God's people could return to the holy city and worship God again. And Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He was was a butler. And God used him to rebuild the city of God. Oftentimes, I feel so inadequate to do this job of building a church in this city. I'm a guitar player is what I say. I I just don't know how to play guitar well. It's all I know. And yet it's not true, is it? because I have the Spirit of God inside of me. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God leads me, leads me. I finished the nine o'clock this morning. I was, I was depressed and I was upset. It didn't go well, much like tonight, to be honest with you. 
I felt like it just didn't go well for me, right? It's like, whatever. And I'm, I'm here. The band finishes up its last songs, and I'm just going to skate out of here because that's what introverts do, right? We just leave the room when they're full of people. And God says to me, sit down. What's it mean God said to me? I don't know. He just said, Jeff, sit here. And I'm like, okay. And that was an unusual thought for me because I don't sit down after church service. I get up and leave because, again, I, I just have this thing about people. I know it's weird. I'm a pastor of a church. <laughs> he says, sit down. I want to say something to you. All right. So I, I know enough to know this. When I have a weird thought like that, I assume it's God. So I sit down and everyone's filing out. And all of a sudden, a guy comes up to me and goes, hey, Jeff, I just want to let you know, man, I've been coming for a while. And I learn something every time I come here. I've been a Christian a very long time. And every Sunday I come here, I learn something. See you. And he walks away. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then another person came up to me and just said, hey, Jeff, I just want you to know all of the energy. This is good. And by energy, she meant like all of the toil that you labor towards this church. She says, I see it and I'm thankful for it. See ya. And she just walks away. <laughs> and another person came up and said something similarly. Just, I mean, it's just, it was the nuttiest thing. It was so amazing. Listen. I don't know what God's calling you to. I have no idea. It's probably greater than you could possibly imagine. He probably hasn't explained it all to you because it would scare the poo out of you. But I know this, that if the Spirit of God is leading you into it, it will be fine. You'll think you're unqualified, inadequate, and he'll just giggle alongside of you and say, yeah, but it'll confound the wise if we do this this way. I don't need strong men to do things. I'll be strong in you. I don't need wise people to do it. Say amen. I'll do it with you. I'll be the wise one. You just go. I went long. Forgive me. I, I love you guys. It's so great that you're here. Um, the band is back here behind the curtain, and we're going to go into some moments of worship. And I always encourage people to try to take the next 15 minutes or so and sort of reflect on maybe one or two points that the Lord spoke to you during the, the message. Maybe there was something in here that really challenged you. The work now for us, I think, is just to say, okay, Lord, what does that mean for me? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? And we're beginning to sing these songs and the spirit man inside of us, the spirit of God inside of us helps us sing louder. Yes. And we thank Jesus for what he's done. For many people in the room tonight, there will be a restart for your life. Tonight will be the night. It'll be marked by a restart. You'll get to start over tonight. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that means exactly, but some people here need to know that. This is an opportunity to begin again. So anyways, let's pray. God, I thank you for everything that you've done for us. And I thank you for your patience, God, as I try to navigate through understanding all of this stuff. God, I pray for... Uh, the Holy Spirit to now come and minister to our uh, the people here. Holy Spirit, come, help us, heal us, direct us, guide us, cause us to walk in your commands and statutes, Lord. We yield ourselves to you, and we do this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Would you please stand to your feet as we go back into a time of worship? God bless. 
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicator.org backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.